Dear Christian friends, brothers and sisters, when we look at the world today, it is crushed, crying, complaining, uncertain, and actually torn apart. The world leaders are struggling. Everyone is struggling. We don't know where we are going. We don't know what is coming next. This is persecution at its best. And this persecution indeed has come to hit both believers and non-believers. Well, let me take you back to the time when the apostle Peter lived. During that time, there was great persecution on Christians. Christians were persecuted, killed, jailed, and they were punished because of their faith. This is similar to what is happening today. We may not be killed because of our faith, but because of the disease, everyone is scampered, running around, hibernating, hiding, and sitting away from the public. This is persecution. Now, the Apostle Peter was one of those who faced persecution. He was punished, persecuted, and jailed. He had that experience of such a kind of living as a Christian, but Peter and others did not lose their faith. And now, in wanting to address the people who believed in Jesus Christ during that time, Peter wrote to them to give them hope and courage. And this is what I am doing to you today for all of us who are Christians. I am now addressing you with the theme, put your hope in Christ Jesus. Put your hope in Christ Jesus. He alone is the one who can save mankind. The first portion of the scripture that we read from verse 15 to 17 reads again, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Fellow Christian friends, this is an inspiring call to personal evangelism during this era of the new normal. As you have heard, the nations are calling this time the new normal. How are we going to live in the new normal? We have to indeed put our hope in Jesus Christ and continue to evangelize, to share the gospel. This is the ultimate in loving one's enemies. What better way could there be of dealing with one's gentle neighbors than to seek to give them eternal life too? Here are timeless truths for evangelism as you interact with individuals on phone, on Facebook, on WhatsApp, or any other a social media platform, both on a personal level and for congregations who seek to keep outreach as a top prior priority in church life. The first thing is, Peter says, put your hearts 
in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Does this sound obvious? Do Christians need to be told this? Of course. People hate hypocrisy, my dear friends, and they can smell religious hypocrisy at 200 meters away. The selfish poisons inside of us seep from our sinful nature, and that sinful nature needs to be rebuked and contained each day. The Christian self in you needs to reaffirm its faith every day during this new normal, every day rededicating your life to the Lord, every day giving him honor and glory, every day praying for strength to stand up for the truth, every day listening to the Savior's voice through his wonderful word. And when your own heart is, uh, is full of gratitude for being rescued from death and hell, you will be ready to speak and your speech will have depth and conviction. Indeed, you will be there to serve the Lord in a, a wholeheartedly and faithfully. The second point that Peter gives us is that he says, be prepared. As you look into the future, you know that in the moments ahead, you will have opportunities to share your faith. Think about what you might say. Can you summarize the Christian faith in a few sentences? Here is a simple four key word summary of the Bible's law gospel message that you can keep in mind to help organize all the Bible facts that you know. Number one, talk about sin. Tell people how we are separated from our creator at birth, that no human being can lift himself up to God's standards of holiness, that all people by nature are under God's curse. Number two, grace. Tell people that God loves us anyway, that he sent his son to take on human flesh like ours to live and die and rise in our place, that God pronounced the world not guilty because of Jesus. Number three, Faith, tell people that all of these good things, forgiveness, peace, spiritual life now, life forever, flow into our lives personally as we believe in God's wonderful promises and that the power and ability to believe are gifts that come from God through his word. Number four, talk about works. Tell people that the Spirit of God who comes to live in believers now enables them to live for God. That believers see God's ways as a delight and find joy in comforting their will to his will. This is what you are to tell people that you live because God, through Jesus Christ, lives in you. The second point that Peter gives us is that give the reason for the hope that you have. As you live in the new normal, when you talk to people, you don't have to argue with them, struggle to make the perfect sales pitch, try to make God's ways logical or reasonable, be clever or take the burden of converting them on yourself. Just tell the truth, just tell what happened, and tell how you know these things. The Bible tells me so. In, during this new normal, we don't know how long we are going to last here on earth. We don't know how long this terrible virus will live with us. We have to continue. 
Tell, uh, just help people find the Bible's message for themselves and let loose the power of the Holy Spirit to work on them. The reason for the hope is timeless and powerful and elegantly simple, the Bible. The Bible, uh, Peter tells us, he says, be gentle as you deal with people. Nobody can stand evangelism that comes from an aggressive, pushy, know-it-all person. Nobody can stand someone who talks all the time. In fact, the first principle in effective evangelism is just to listen, ask questions, let the person tell you his or her story. What do you do next? Show respect to people. Nobody can stand an evangelist who puffs up his own denomination by ridiculing other Christian groups. There is a time and place for careful discussion of issues of disagreement among Christian church groups, but a conversation with a fallen away Christian or a non-Christian is not it. This is a time to talk to people who have fallen away from their faith, to people who have not known Christ. Respect is also of huge importance when communicating Christ across cultures. People will be more inclined to open up to your message if they feel respected, that they and their culture have worth in your eyes. It is important to lift up Jesus Christ, not your own culture or even your church's traditions. In the third and final major section of his letter, Peter lifts up the eyes of his suffering and fearful brothers and sisters to the objective reality of the victorious Savior. And this is what I'm doing today. Christ's successful work and triumphant coronation provide the basis for hope and confidence in our lives. I'll read from verse 18 to 22. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of debt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Fellow Christian friends, the center of hope and joy for any Christian is the gospel. And the gospel is articulated here as clearly and forcefully as anywhere in the scriptures. Just take your time and ponder the powerful impact of the following four phrases that I want to share with you. Number one, Christ died for sins. These words acknowledge our evil, our problem, and our guilt. But for the solution uh, point, uh, for the solution point us to what someone else has done for us, on our behalf, in our place. 
It reminds us that our need is severe, but that the solution is even greater. The death of the God-man, Jesus Christ. Once for all, that's the second point. These words proclaim the gravity and finality of Christ's words on the cross. It is finished when he cried on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. John 19, verse 30. It really is finished, although we sin separately and repeatedly in our lives, Christ's one act of atonement covers all sins of all people. We are covered. And this is why the other uh, phrase says, the righteous for the unrighteous. This is the heart of the Christian gospel, that a substitution was made. The Father loaded the blame for the sins of the world upon a righteous substitute and then had him executed in our place. The severity of the punishment upon Jesus signifies at the same time the greatness of the mercy upon us who believe it. As Isaiah chapter 53 teaches, the heart of the gospel is, He for me. The follow-up phrase says, To bring you to God. We cannot lift ourselves up to God. Christ has lifted us up to God. Verses 18 to 22 narrate the great events of Christ's humiliation and exaltation in a manner almost like that of the Apostles' Creed. He was put to death in the body. This refers to his humiliation. He was made alive in spirit. This refers to his exaltation, through which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, that is hell, then was raised and has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand ruling over everything in all creation, including all angels, all authorities and powers, apparently all mysterious designations for the different ranks or types of angels. Now, dear friends, if all these things are true, which I believe are true, then our earthly sufferings are really uh, useless. They don't matter. If Christ is on the throne of heaven, it doesn't really matter who is on the throne here on earth. If Christ is resurrected and alive, it doesn't really matter if death temporarily claims the lives of the saints. We know they will come back to life one day. I know I will come back to life one day. This is the message that I am sharing with you. This is the message that Peter is sharing with every one of us, dear Christian friends. Verse 18 and 19 deserves a bit of comment. The point is that the Holy Spirit was fully involved in Christ's resurrection and descent into hell. Christ was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit, through which he went and preached. This means Christ's descent into hell occurred before his post-resurrection appearances and was a, uh, was a, a descent in spirit, that is, in a glorified way. The descent into hell is taught clearly only here in scripture. We see that it was not part of Christ's suffering. He did indeed experience the horror and desolation of hell, but that happened 
happened on the cross. His descent to hell was to proclaim his victory to the spirits in prison, both human and demonic spirits whose torment had begun. Jesus did what uh, victorious generals can do. Often they do. They go to an enemy territory and raise the flag of the conqueror. Jesus' preaching was not for the purpose of giving the damned a second chance in repentance, but it's simply to proclaim his victory. Yes, indeed, to proclaim his victory. One example of the types of re rebellious spirits found in the spirit prison is that of the unbelievers during the first six centuries of Noah's life. See, you can find that in Genesis chapter 6. In spite of God's patience and hope for their repentance, he saw that every inclination of the thought of man's heart was only evil all the time. Their disobedience to his word and will allowed his angry judgment so intensely that he drowned every living creature on the face of the earth except for those in the ark. A question for you. Today we don't have the ark of Noah. We have the ark of Jesus. Are you in the ark of Jesus? If not, please begin to repent and indeed join everybody in the ark of Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor, tell your relatives, tell your friends that the, it is high time during this time when we are in the new normal to join the ark of Jesus Christ. And when we speak of the ark, that led Peter into another interesting side path, which is the role of baptism in God's great saving plan. The very waters that were destroying the earth were in a way saving Noah and his family. Since they buoyed up his great boat and were spared the terrible convulsions that were taking place on the surface of the earth. Since the great aquifers were all blasting to the surface at once and tearing up the land, it was actually much safer to be in a boat riding on top of all that water. And this is what is happening, my dear brothers and sisters, that the world is tearing people apart. The world is being torn apart. The devil and his uh, adversaries are indeed fighting human beings through the disease, and indeed we are being torn apart. It is high time we jumped on the ark of Jesus Christ to be in a boat riding on top of all these problems. And Peter says that those saving flood waters prefigured the water of baptism that now saves you also. Tell somebody who is not yet a believer, who is not yet a Christian, that they need to be baptized. The flood waters actually preserved Noah and were not just symbolic. And the, the waters of baptism today can save somebody. Baptism does not merely signify our salvation, but actually gives it by connecting us with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Its value is not in giving us a clean skin by removing dirt, but in giving us a clean conscience by removing the dirt of sin. It is high time that you checked your family. It is high time that you checked your relatives. It is high time that you checked your friends. It is high time that you checked your neighbor to see whether they are baptized, to see whether they believe in Jesus Christ, because we are in an era of the new normal. We don't know whether tomorrow they will die. We don't know to whether tomorrow you will die. Tell everybody out there to put their hope in Jesus Christ. Indeed, including you, put your 
your hope in Jesus Christ because that is the only answer. The world scientists have struggled to find a solution to heal mankind from this sickness. The world scientists have failed to find a solution to stabilize this virus. We are just hearing that it is uh, increasing. The numbers are increasing. People are dying. We are now in millions. We are now in millions of those that are affected. I urge you, my dear friend out there, my fellow Christian friend, stand up and share the gospel. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Indeed, this is not a time to sit back. Share Jesus Christ because time is now, during this new normal, because we don't know how long we are going to live. We don't know how far we are going. We know it shall come to pass, but tell your neighbor because you don't know they may die with the coronavirus. They may be infected and affected, but before that happens and they are separated from you, taken into the isolation center, share with them the love of Jesus Christ. It is high time, my dear friends, to love one another. It is high time, my dear friends, to indeed talk to each other and encourage each other. It is high time we committed ourselves to the Lord. Even if we are listening to the sermons in families at home, on the road, please, my dear friend, it is high time that you committed yourself to the Lord. It is high time that you made a strong decision and you remain in Jesus Christ and continue in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in Christ Jesus. This is the message. Shalom. Amen.